Clouse, I am about eight hours fresh off a plane from Malaysia. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. I'm about eight hours fresh asleep. Yeah. We are actually in a special situation. We are back in the same location. I mean, physically in the same location. So for a lot of people, we record in the same city, but we record at our uh, respective houses. And today we're both together actually physically looking at each other. Yeah, I still don't know why, but hey. Hey. Well, you know, just uh, just convenient recording times. So I was extremely excited to get home because I got something in the mail. And it's rare that you get things in the mail these days. And it's rare that you're excited to get things in the mail. And this is going to be the kickoff for today's start. Do you know what that is? It's right in front of you. Yeah, I, I see it. Yeah, <laughs> but you want to talk about it. Tell me. Sure. So I have just ordered a Revolut prepaid card. And I know to everybody listening, that probably doesn't sound exciting. Or prepaid spending card. It's just like a debit card, but you load money on it, and then it counts down to zero. Right? So it's not a real, or I, I don't really know if it's a real bank account, but I just think of it as like a, a gift card that you put your own money on. Yeah. So something like that. Now, why I'm excited about this is about three weeks ago, I ended up talking to the head of customer experience over at Revolut, and it was an amazing conversation Uh, just to hear about their passion and their drive in creating this product and the other products that they're working on. And what struck me in this conversation was the idea that every company inherently has a choice to make for their products or their services. And that really breaks down to, do you decide to make your products and services interesting? And do you decide to make them have a great user experience? Or do you decide that you're just going to simply keep the status quo and maybe it's going to be a little bit mundane. And what really brought this front and center is, like I said, for a lot of listeners, prepaid cards are not that exciting. And yet, here I was excited to get home. I loved the onboarding experience. I loved the sign-up experience. When I was in Malaysia, I was getting notifications that said, your card has been shipped, your card should arrive, let's start spending. And it just made me want to get home and use it. And it really showed me that they took an industry and a service that is not really exciting and they made me get excited about it. And I love that. Yeah. This morning when you came in and you opened the envelope and you took the thing out, you you made a sound. What was that? I I don't know. It was like... No, no. You you made a sound. No, I know. What was the sound? Yeah. You were like... (laughs) Yeah. So if you go online, you can see people uh, doing little reviews of these because when you get the card... They give you this card holder that you pull one side and the card pops out of the other. And it's just a little marketing trick, but it's so nice. And you're just like, hey, oh, that's so cool. I think what these guys did is nowadays when you have like prime app experiences, there's these really cool ways of onboarding people and the forums are nice and the animations are nice and the illustrations are nice. And this level of detail and, and, and of like user experience and, and delight has never really, you never really see it in the real world from companies like banks or whatever. And, and that's the point, right? That's, the, that's what made me realize this is a choice. We take so many things for granted around us that, the, that you know, what's, what's the Steve Jobs quote? Like, once you understand that everything around you is made by people no smarter than you, you can change it. And there's so many things that have such poor services, but we are accepting of them. And then people come along and make it better. There's, I mean, when I was in Malaysia, the great example here was last time I was there about a year ago, 
Uber was still in Southeast Asia, and I always used Uber. It was a great experience. Now Uber is gone, they own a stake in Grab. Grab, ever since Uber moved out, and this is talking to multiple people on the ground in Malaysia, has gone downhill. Basically, Grab has a monopoly at this point, and they seem to be become lackadaisical about everything from ride times to fulfilling rides. I've heard their food delivery service is horrendous. People will wait up, you know, one or two hours to get food. When, when I was in Malaysia and we were booking cars, it would routinely take, you know, several attempts just to book a car. Sometimes it was impossible to book a car, and we're not in remote areas. And if you did book a car, it could take anywhere from 5 minutes to 15 minutes for the driver to show up. And what I heard is it never used to be like that. So again, you know, competition, you know, gave us this great choice. Uber comes along where, we're, you know, we accept taxis as they are. Then Uber comes along and says, no, I can make one better. And, you know, that's just, again, that choice that people can make great experiences, but companies have to recognize it is a choice. And if they don't do it, somebody's going to come along and do it for them. That's why it's cool that a company like Revolut comes into the financial market, which is something boring that we all need to have to function today. And especially the, the Revolut card itself, it's not per se like a debit card because it actually gets you into the credit card ecosystem, which is something you will need if you want to make international purchases. This is the only way that you can online buy things everywhere because your debit card mostly only works with online services in your own country. Or maybe for us, we can use uh, a payment system called Ideal for Dutch debit cards, also works with companies from Germany like uh, Amazon, whatever. But Revolut stepped in there and said, we're going to compete with the big companies by starting off with something small, but making it so nice that people will notice it again and they will, they will get interest in this product because the need is there. It's just that there's no competition. But what it's doing is it's laying the basic expectations of people. It's making them much higher. So you have the law of increasing basic expectations or the law of increasing expectations are happening because of these digital companies that are stepping on the ground of, of established companies and big companies. Well, that was actually summarized really well in Jeff Bezos' recent annual letter to stakeholders, I'm trying to get that language right, where he said essentially that users and consumers are these delightfully discontent people, that whatever you do one day, you know, several days later will just be status quo. So you're always working. You're never able to really meet expectations because at the point that you have, expectations will increase the next time. And so you're always working on the situation where you need to get better each step that you're taking. The other epiphany that really hit me. I mean, what you just said, two things. One, you take something like the financial services industry, which a lot of people think is not interesting. Uh, and, and two is that these smaller companies are coming in and displacing services. And I think the lesson that I'm getting from Revolut is that if you have a service that can be done digitally and does not have a high capital investment to start, you know, so what I mean by this is if you take a telco company, you have to put up antennas, radios, all these things, right? There's a high capital investment. There's a high infrastructure cost. If you're doing a, a um, company that's doing internet, right? If you're doing construction to put in internet lines to people's homes and businesses, this gives you a bit of a monopoly that you can block, 
right? So you have to have a lot of money in order to go into certain services. But if there are services where you do not need a heavy amount of money and you can do these purely digital, these are the areas that larger companies should be looking out for smaller companies coming in because smaller companies are going to come in. They're going to be hungrier than the larger companies. They know they can do a better job and they will make that choice to make better experiences and better products and they won't have anything to stop them. The larger companies won't be able to stop them if they don't need to have that high upfront capital investment and they can just run right over and they can create better connections with users. And what these small companies are doing is they're, they're utilizing something, or at least what they're doing looks like they're using the Kano model, which is a model that's been around for a while which talks about the ratio of different features. And that's where also the basic expectations come from that I mentioned earlier. Basic expectations go up. Every time a new service comes out that people use, take Uber as an example, people now expect every taxi company to have an app that works. Well, what's actually so great about what you just said is if I had never seen Uber and I'd only used Grab when I was in Kuala Lumpur, I would think it's great. Exactly. Right? Because it's still better than taxis. However, because I had Uber originally, my expectations were that much higher, and now it feels like a crappier product. Yeah. So on top of these basic expectations, you have the segment called performance. That's where you can outperform other services, where you can just do their job better. So in the case of from Uber to Grab, there is an app. You can order them online, but Grab according to you, is not delivering on their promise. So besides the fact that their basic expectations look okay when they're delivering, they're not doing it properly. And then on top of that, you have a level of delight, which is actually the things that people aren't expecting and that they've never seen that you are delivering that's making an experience amazing for them. That includes the weird box that you were talking about this morning. It has nothing to do with the card. It has nothing to do with that you can pay for it. And people are making videos of themselves opening the box and they're making free advertisements. Well, I think what's so beautiful about the the uh, the cardboard... Uh, what do you call it? It's like a... It, so it, what it it's is, a, it's... It's a, a sleeve. Sleeve. Of. So yeah. it's a, yeah, it's basically a, like a little pop-up sleeve for your card. What's so great about this is it's the first physical interaction. And I've remembered getting cards for the last 20 years from banks. And essentially what they do is glue a card to a little piece of paper, right? And then it has a phone number for you to call and activate it, or it has a pin. In the case of Netherlands, they send you a pin separate. So then you have yeah. to look for the other mail. And, you know, here I get this card, and the first time you get it, there's this beautiful experience. Now, there are many experiences physically that are, you know, that people have built marketing-wise that are more interesting than this, that are better than this. But my expectations were so low of a card being glued to a piece of paper that when you make a little sleeve that's colorful and my card pops out of it, it looks really cool. It feels really cool. So the first interaction I have with the physical card is exciting and yeah. it makes you want to go use it. Exactly. And we've now been talking for about 10 minutes about a prepaid credit card right? We're doing free advertisement even on our podcast because they went above and beyond the call of duty and they made a payment system that works seamlessly and is a joy to even play with. From talking to Val over at Revolut, the few things that I got from them I thought were really interesting beyond their, their passion and their drive was this idea that he said specifically, look, we're not a bank, we solve financial problems. He placed that in the context of users, everything that he talked about. I mean, he was the head of customer engagement, so I, I would picture this would be the normal, but it was so refreshing to hear somebody say in the financial services industry that everything was about users. And he said, if we can't make a product 100 times better 
then the current product that exists, we need to reevaluate what we're doing. And of course, those metrics are, you know, you're, you're basically saying something that I'm not sure anything's going to be 100 times better, but it's that whole drive. And that if we can't picture something in our head that's going to be so much better that you're going to want to run out and use more than the other products that you have so much more, then why are we even making it? And that type of mindset was just, uh, again, so refreshing to hear. So for anybody who wants to uh, look up the Kano model, it's quite famous. Just look it up on Wikipedia or on any of the thousands of websites that you'll hit. How do you spell it, actually? K-A-N-O, which oh, okay. in Dutch is what uh, canoe is, which is why it's easy to remember, but not for everybody. But look it up. Watch some videos on it. There's an awesome video by Jared Spool coming up with some examples, uh, mainly pertaining to the hotel industry but you can always see how this, uh, this would work for your particular angle of design. One of the things that I, I am having a bit of a hard time matching in my head, or not matching, but just coming to terms with, is you know on my desk I keep multiple copies of the book Zero to One, mm-hmm. which uh, whether or not you like Peter Thiel, I find it one of the best books, if not the best book, for startups. And one of the things in the book that he argues that I don't necessarily agree with is that monopolies are good for innovation. The argument that he uses is when you have a monopoly, you have excess capital coming in that you can then put aside for accelerators or innovation programs, and this will spur new innovation. And yes, while there are considerable examples to, let's say, back that up or back up situations where larger companies can allocate budget for other ideas, what I think is so great when you have competitive situations like Uber and Grab or Revolut and Visa and MasterCard is that monopolies can get stuck in one way of thinking and one way of doing things and it's so hard to get out of that. And when you have these smaller startups come in, they can create a totally new and fresh way of thinking that you would never have pictured if you are in that monopoly. This this whole idea of, you know, these large companies have this very strong culture that dictates they think and they act in one way. And now you have this other company coming up and saying, look, we're not a bank, we solve financial you know, problems. We, or, you know, we yeah, create financial solutions. I can't remember the exact wording. So, uh, you know, I think that was just sort of a counter argument to that. And it's been something that's been on my mind for a while because we talked all about uh, this idea or when, uh, just earlier that, If you are a large company, if you think you have a monopoly, look at your products and services that are potentially able to be digitized or can be done digitally at a lower cost where other companies can move in because that's going to be your areas that are going to be ripe for disruption startups to come in and take over those areas. I I think you're actually answering your own problem already if we go a minute back. Did that make sense, by the way, what I just explained? It does. Because I I fumbled over the words a little bit. No, it's okay. 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 I, I think people will get it, but I think you're answering your own problem in saying that these monopolies are good because they can set money aside for small accelerators. And that's exactly what's happening. If this big company would set money aside for the big company to do things in the big company way, it wouldn't move because there's all kinds of departments that have everything to say about it it's going to be designed by committee and the same thing will come out in the end because there's a risk department that will say it's risky if we do something that doesn't fit with us there's a brand department that says how these things need to happen the only way these big monopoly companies can come out with something that's very innovative is by having a small accelerator inside that has the freedom to move and that's what a small startup outside will have as well. Is, is your solution here is that monopolies become VCs? <laughs> I think it's already happening. Yeah. yeah. 
that just scares me on a variety of levels. But see, here's the thing where I sort of disagree with that is we've worked with multiple companies that have accelerators or innovation teams internally and they're still stuck in the old way of thinking. They have the toughest time because all of these people still come from that company. They still carry over the DNA of how they solve problems and the way of which they normally need to pass several gates of permission before they can go on. And that's where companies like Raft can come in. We can help you become more like a startup. Very true, sir. So I think the way that we can wrap this up, when we opened up the podcast, we said that every company... And every team has a choice. When you come into the office every day, you have a choice to make your product or your service interesting, unique. You have the chance to make it a great experience. And if it is not something that your customers every day are wanting to use, and it is something that can be taken over by a smaller startup with less capital, that will be something that will be disrupted because somebody will say, finally, hey, I think there's a better way to do this. I think there's a more interesting way to do this. And if you're not doing it, somebody else is going to do it. And that's been proven time after time again. So I, I hope companies, if they're listening to this, if you know managers are listening to this, that they think about what they're doing and they think about that they can bring excitement even to the most what people think of as mundane or boring industries. Nothing has to be boring. It is a choice. So Chris... Anything to add to that? Nope. <laughs> Rock man. Well, let's. Uh, we got to run off and we got to get some ramen before I fall asleep. And uh, I will talk to you next week. See you, man. Later. Bye. Bye.